So hello and welcome to the Embrace Your Destiny podcast. My name is Sandra Dawes and I'm your host. And today's guest is Karen Gruber. And you want to listen to this interview if you're if you feel like you are living the kind of life you want for your children because Karen says that she wasn't until she made her number one priority to design and live the life of her dreams so her daughter could witness exactly what that means. And Karen has 15 years of experience focused on parenting, leadership, and feminine spirituality. She's the creator of the Inspired Mama, a company that focuses on the inspiration and well-being of moms. And moms hire Karen to move through emotional pain, overwhelm, and the stress with every, oops, with easy lifestyle shifts. So welcome, Karen, and thank you for being a part of the podcast Thank you, Sandra. I am so, so happy to be here with you. So Karen, you know that, and I'm going to share this for people who might be new to the podcast, the whole purpose of the Embrace Your Destiny podcast is to share the stories of women who have gone through their own set of trials and tribulations, life really, right? And that they've encountered these challenges and that they've you know, found their way, they've seen the light at the end of the tunnel, they've made their way to that light, and now they're living a life that is more fulfilled and or soul after this experience. And so that's really the purpose of this. And I would love to hear your story of your experience with this journey called life. Yes. And what a journey it is. Oh my gosh. Um, so I was in a great deal of emotional pain for most of my life. Like I had glimpses of happiness and joy and, and all of this was self-inflicted. Um, my perceived reality was one, I was um, given up at birth for adoption. So it, that felt like a total abandonment by my birth mother. And then um, the woman and the family that anything I needed in that regard, but did not meet any of my emotional needs. Um, looking back, uh, my adoptive mother was a narcissist, and so everything had strings attached to it. And it left me feeling, particularly as a young girl and into adulthood, that I was unworthy of being loved that I was unlovable, and that there was something fundamentally very wrong with me. And this manifested itself 70 plus pounds. Um, I started experimenting with alcohol, and then that just blew up to drinking every, every night um, so that I wouldn't feel this pain. Self-medicating. Totally self-medicating. And as women, not just mothers, but as women, I think, well, I know the more I talk to women and the, and the more um, conversations I have is that we all have some kind of, of pain and it's, it could be from major trauma, it could be from smaller trauma, uh, but it is our trauma and, and we all experience it. And then, and then we strategize and either become perfectionists or drink too much or eat too much or shop too much. Right, because we don't want to deal with whatever that is. We try to, to push it down and oh, 
Yeah. And, and put it away, compartmentalize it. But it always ends up manifesting in some way, shape or form at some point in our lives. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it um, it was almost like a relief to hear this, that I am not the only one and that um, and that this pain is really real. Um, so, but there came a point when it was it, it moved beyond just coping to. I was. I started to become aware of the impact that these behaviors were having. Um, becoming a mother for me just amplified all these insecurities and feelings of hopelessness. And I'm a horrible mother, and I'm a I'm a crummy wife, and oh my gosh, all of these feelings just amplified when I became a mother. Right, of not being enough. So I mean, just not even in the ballpark. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and so once I became aware of the impact that I was I was ruining and destroying everything that I, that was important to me. Uh, my marriage was very rocky. Um, my daughter, although quite young, um, you know, they're aware, they know what's going on. Even if you think you're hiding it or you think you're managing it, um, they know. I think kids are more aware. Yes. Really. Yes. Right. Cause they're more in tune. They don't have all that life craziness to, to block their awareness of that kind of the emotions and stuff. Right. Right. So in tune with that. And I realized that I was not being the mother that I wanted to be. I was not being the woman that I wanted to be. And I knew that it had to change and it had to be in that moment. Um, So at that point, it became my number one priority to figure out what the heck was going on and how to move past it or through it or whatever was going to happen. And... I discovered a lot of really awesome things along the way, um, just about myself and tools to use. Um, and I loved your introductory podcast, your very first podcast, uh, when you talked about where you came from and the point that you were in in your life and that feeling of hopelessness and things will never get better. And now what do I do? Um, and I love your sense of curiosity and your creativity. And um, personally, I love your stand that, no, you were not going to medicate yourself. You were going to figure this out. Yeah, because I feel like like numbing it wasn't the solution. It might be a temporary solution to help me function better at work yeah. and in society, right? But at the end of the day, I wasn't dealing with the core issues that led to these feelings of hopelessness and despair. Because I think that if I was in a good place in mind, body, and soul when my father passed away, it wouldn't have been as impactful as it was. So I feel like, you know, losing him was a wake-up call because it allowed me to really dig deep and figure out what the heck was going on, (laughs) as opposed to just living my life reactively, always feeling like life was happening to me and not for any specific purpose at all. Yeah. Yes. And I, and I love that was one of the phrases that you use that jumped out is, is these, these tragedies or traumas or um, life changing moments. They're not happening to you. They're happening for you. And 
it sure as heck doesn't feel like a gift in the moment. <laughs> but no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but to be able to look back on it and see all the value and all the richness and and what you learn and become when you pop out on the other side is just so beautiful. And I'm so grateful to you, Sandra, for bringing these stories forward. Um, because one of the major things I picked up on was this inner voice that kept telling me how horrible I was and I couldn't do it and I was unworthy and I was unlovable. And I call her now my inner mean girl um, because that is definitely the energy behind it. It's not helpful. It's destructive. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and the key piece to for me to be able to move forward was realizing and understanding that that's not me, this voice. It's not true. No, there's no fact in that at all. Yeah. No, you'll never be able to do this. Not how can you do this? Um, it's just, ah, so terrible. Right. So I, I just loved um, your vulnerability in sharing your story and then giving others the platform to share their stories as well, because it's it's so healing for both people like myself to be able to share my story um, and for your audience who gets to hear these and go, wow, yeah, because there's going to be someone that everybody Everybody will relate to someone or pieces from all your guests. Pieces, yeah, for sure. Um, so I love that, and, and I'm just so grateful to you. Um, but what, one of the points I wanted to share about this inner mean girl is once I realized that she was not me, then I was able to develop some tools to, to deal with her um, and allow myself to grow and move forward and, and all of these wonderful things. Um, unfortunately, uh, your inner mean girl keeps you isolated and small in the moments when you most need to be not isolated and need to right. <laughs> get big and, and yeah, expand. Yeah. And her purpose is to keep you safe. So understanding that she's just trying to keep you safe because she doesn't want you to embarrass yourself or get hurt or whatever. Um, but the ironic part is keep by keeping you safe, um, you're not able to grow and to do the things that are, that are going to heal you and, um, you know, make you the person that you want to be. So um, that was one of my biggest... Um, catalyst with my change is understanding this and being able to deal with it um, and, and being able to move forward from there. Right. Cause you, um, you took back the driver's seat from the mean girl. Very much so. Right. Like, yeah. you, got, <laughs> you know, like um, Elizabeth Gilbert, if you've read the book, big magic, she talks about fear and how fear. Just finished it about a week ago. See, there you go. Um, <laughs> synchronicities right but she talks about fear and how yeah. fear is always going to be a part of the journey there fear is with you on this mm -hmm. road trip of life this journey of life but you get to be in control fear doesn't have to be in the driver's seat right you get to 
tell Spear to go sit in the back seat and, you know, just silently observe for a while as you take control of, of the journey. And I think, and I love that analogy because I think that so often we think that we have to, we shouldn't be fearful at all. And we shouldn't acknowledge that that fear exists. And it's saying, and it's understanding that the fear is there and there's nothing, the fear exists for a reason. Like you said, it's to keep you safe. However, there are times where we have to take those leaps of faith. We have to step outside our comfort zone and do things that we've never done before. So you have to really, you know, acknowledge that the fear exists, but not allow it to be in control, which I think has such a vital lesson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I love that piece, too. That was really, really poignant. And the fear is never going to go away. No, but what do you do with it? And how do you get curious about it? And what is it really trying to tell you? And um, yeah, that, that is a very powerful component. Yeah, those are the questions you have to ask yourself, though, right? Is that it's like, okay, so this is what I'm feeling. But what am I going to do with it? Am I going to allow it to, you know, make me stay at home and not do anything? Or am I going to yeah. acknowledge, okay, yes, I understand that the fear is there, but I want what I want bad enough that I'm going to push past those fears and, and take that leap of faith. Yeah, absolutely. So Karen, what is the, what was the technique that you used to really conquer this mean girl um, or silence her in some way? Yeah. So I um, came up with, when I look back on, on what all came together and really worked for me was um, really five components and then um, a fun practice that I would love to share with you. Um, but the first component was, we've already touched on it, was what is your inner mean girl and why is she here? And um, the second is recognizing what she says to you and what her language is so that you don't um, un you don't think that it's you, right? So it's... Um, Things, like I mentioned and touched on, you know, very black and white, very all-encompassing. You're always this, or you're never that, or you're, you think everyone thinks you're a fake, um, or you're completely messing up your kid, um, or you're the worst wife ever. Um, it's, it's this really definitive, all or nothing, all or nothing kind, of. kind of statements. Yeah that leave you with nowhere to go. I mean, what do you do with that, right? Um, so in that, you can shift it and realize that these statements are not true. But what, what about it? Is there any truth to it? Am I the worst mother ever? No. Did that interaction go the way I wanted? No, maybe it didn't go quite the way I wanted. That wasn't the outcome I had hoped for. So what can I do differently next time? What can I take away from this? What can I learn from this? Instead of you're always going to be the worst mother ever or, you know, worst, I'll never get my business off the ground. I'll never be able to do this. Um, what, what is it about that? Um, that can work for you. So really, uh, you know, basically reframing the statement into something that is a truth because there may be, you know, some pieces you still need to learn or something else you want to experience around it. Um, but it's not this all or nothing. So really understanding her language so that you know when she's starting to show up. Um, and we've already touched on 
the, the next step, which is recognizing how she impacts you. So for some people, it is um, a low sense of self-worth. Um, you begin to resent those around you. It's like everybody else gets to do and be great except for me. Um, you're not confident in the decisions that you're making. Um, have a horrible body image. Uh, stifle your emotions. Um, and, and what you touched on, which really is the biggest one, is this fear that keeps you from trying new things. And, you know, keeping you stuck. Um, so recognizing how it's impacting you and from there figuring out if you don't want that, what do you want? Um, and so it's awareness and being super, absolutely being super gentle with yourself. Um, and as you were, Sandra, when you were, um, doing your work and you were coming out of the darkness, did you have any experiences of any of this? The first talk that I ever did once I faced the fear of public speaking and did it anyway <laughs> was, <laughs> was all about silencing the peanut gallery, oh, which is what yeah. I refer to the mean girl as is the peanut gallery. And I know, and you know, so I talk about the fact that it, the peanut gallery comes in all forms, whether it's the media, social media, your well-meaning friends and family, but the number one yeah. offender is always that voice in your head because you can walk away from the friends and family, mm-hmm. right? You can turn off social yep. media, but that voice in your head is a lot harder to shut up, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's going 24 hours a day sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that's why I love Louise Hay was because once I discovered her and the whole understanding the importance of your self-talk and how you need to be mindful of that. And I mean, and I say in this talk that affirmations, like once I discovered those, I became a bit of a lunatic with them, right? I had them written on sticky notes and like they were practically the wallpaper on my walls because, you know, when I was in that dark place, I was, you know, looking for that positivity any way I could find it. So once I realized that affirmations were a great tool, I was like, well, okay, let's do affirmations. (laughs) And so there would be, I mean, they were everywhere. And then I had them in the bathroom, but then I like hot showers. And then they were falling (laughs) off the wall from the heat. So then I decided to write and dry erase marker on the bathroom mirror. But that's how, that's how serious I got about affirmations because I uh, knew that uh, I needed to like change the script in my head yeah, because right. it was yeah. so negative, to, so negative that I couldn't even experience joy for other people at one point in my life. You know what I mean? Like they could have great things happening to them. And it was like, oh, that's nice. That's good for you. <laughs> you know, but you're like, but what about me? I don't know if I'll ever experience that kind of stuff. So it was yeah, not a nice place to be. But mm-hmm. like you said, awareness is such a big piece of it. Because once you become aware, once you understand what's going on, right, as opposed to just letting it happen, right, then you can really take control of the situation, right? You, you understand that you have a choice in this, that you don't have to think yes. in negative ways all the time. You don't have to beat yourself up all the time, that you can find a better feeling thought, right? So that you can always, so you're feeling crummy right now, right? Because something happened and it didn't work out the way you wanted it to, but we don't have Mm -hmm. to allow these feelings to swallow us whole. Right. And I think that once, 
I understood that, that it's okay to acknowledge that you're having a negative feeling. It's okay to throw a pity party for yourself, but it doesn't need to be a week long pity party, right? (laughs) You know, experience it, acknowledge it, but move on from it, right? Because I think that when you're in that darkness, you can get so comfortable in that darkness that you don't even want to seek that light at the end of the tunnel. Never mind, entertain the thought that it really exists. And so I think that that's, um, that's the challenge, right? Is to, is to get to a place where you want something different, where this darkness is, is not satisfying you anymore, that you know, you remember what the light felt like, even if you experienced it momentarily at different points in your life, but you remember what that felt like and you want to get back to that feeling. Yeah, yeah. And we can throw some badass pity parties, can't we? (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. Yeah. The best of the best. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, um, and, and this is what I love is, is the more women and moms that I get the opportunity to talk to, we've all experienced it at some level. And, and that's what, the beauty in it is that we are so similar and now we just need to bring these conversations forward and not make it so taboo to be in the midst of darkness or in the midst of a pity party and being able to have these conversations. So it's not shameful to admit that you're, yeah, I'm having a really crummy time right now and I could use some help. I could just someone to listen to me, right? You know, maybe our partners and our and our spouses don't necessarily get us on that level, but right because other, they might not have gone through something similar yeah, themselves, yeah. so they don't get it in that right. way. So yeah, I do believe that it's important to to share these experiences. That holding it in is not is not the best no. way forward. Yeah. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, so do we have time to do a little light exercise? Sure. Let's do it. Okay. So, um, this is something that helped me just like a, a, a practice that really, and I still use it whenever I'm feeling like the pity party is going on a little bit too long. (laughs) Um, and when you are feeling hopeless and isolated or overwhelmed and, you mentioned sometimes it's very hard to even imagine the light at the end of the tunnel, much less want to go towards it, right? So this is, um, I use a candle, a lit flame, but you could use, if you're in an office somewhere that doesn't allow lit flames, you could use one of those little LED candles and just keep it at your desk. Or you could um, use something that reflects light. Like I'm looking around in my office and I have a little label printer that there's a light next to it. And there's this beam of light that's being reflected on that thing. So it doesn't have to be something really obvious. It could be something very unobtrusive, um, just something that's nearby. And the practice is to set a timer for five minutes. And for those five minutes, you're going to stare at that light. And you're going to think about not necessarily what's at the end of the tunnel, because that 
in itself can be overwhelming depending upon where you are in the moment. It's like, what? I got to do all what? I'm going to be what? <laughs> no, thank you. Um, but what is your light mean for you in this moment? So that could be as an example, does it mean a little deeper breath? Does it mean just I want to take five minutes to go take a walk outside. Does it mean I'm going to go home and take the longest hot shower? Um, does it mean I'm going to stop and buy myself a bouquet of flowers on the way home? I mean, what does that light in this moment signify for you? What is like the little inchy, what is the next very smallest step you can take towards that light? And something will bubble up for you in that five minutes. And you'll know it because your whole body will go, yes. And it may seem really insignificant, but it is so not. It is so not. Um, and so I do this in the morning before my household wakes up when I'm feeling less than what I want to feel like. Right. And it really sets the tone for the whole day. Um, so I would encourage anyone who's listening, who's feeling hopeless or isolated or overwhelmed to just give this a shot and see what happens for you. Yes. And five minutes isn't a lot of time, really no. and truly. It's and enough. anybody can find five minutes. <laughs> yeah. And the benefits of those five minutes are a reward enough. You know what I mean? So if you, yes. oh, if for you sure. can find, you know, find the five minutes and you'll be glad you did. That's for sure. Karen, in your experience in the journey so far, what would you say is your biggest lesson? Okay, so my biggest lesson so far has been that I'm the one who's responsible for me. I'm responsible, one, for what I've created, which can be pretty heavy. Um, but the good piece of that is that I'm the one who can change it. And I'm the one that gets to choose. I get to choose how I'm going to react. I'm going to, um, I get to choose who I'm going to be in any given moment, uh, regardless of what's happened in the past. And I'm the one who gets to experience that joy, that happiness, that fulfillment. It's all me. And I get to be because of all these things, the, the woman, the person, the mom, the business owner, you name it, I get to be what I want to be. Right. The best version of yourself, really. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Which is like coming to that realization is such a big thing because I think that especially when you're going through those dark times, you can feel like you're not in control that you don't, that you don't get to to define yourself, right? But when you mm -hmm. understand that, when you get to take that power back, it's so empowering. Oh, yes. Yep. And um, so what would you, what advice would you give to somebody who's going through something similar in their own life? Somebody who's feeling like they're, they're not at their best right now. They're not their best. They haven't reached to their best self, that they aren't good enough, whether it's as a mom, as a wife, as a business owner, as a career person, you know, whatever it is that they're just not enough. What would you, what advice would you give them? The biggest thing I would say is um, be kind to yourself. Um, treat yourself like you would treat 
your child, if you have a child, um, or your niece or nephew, um, or even just a, a child that's not yours, right? And treat yourself the way you would treat a little being who was totally dependent on you. Um, we're so hard on ourselves and we're so awful to ourselves. And uh, I, I could go on for days about this topic, but just be kind, cut yourself some slack. Um, if the mm-hmm. day didn't go the way you wanted, okay, so what? That doesn't mean that tomorrow has to be horrible too. Just be kind to yourself. And I would also strongly suggest that truly if you are in a place of feeling hopeless or isolated and either one reach out to a trusted friend or family member who's not going to make you feel worse and if you're not in a place where you have that then I would seek out a coach or a counselor or someone who can support you in this and who can you need a cheerleader you need a cheerleader, and I unabashedly will pay whatever it takes for someone to be my cheerleader and be in my corner. There is absolutely no shame in that um, to get where I want to go. Um, so first would be a trusted friend, family member, a clergy person, someone that you know you can trust. And if you just are not feeling that or feel that you have that person in your life right now, then pay somebody because um, it yes. is so important not to go this alone. And money well spent. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It is the best money I've ever spent and continue to spend. Yeah. And Karen, you have a gift for the listeners. I do. I have a gift for your audience today. And I think the link will be posted wherever the, the podcast information is. The show notes yes. are, yes. And it is five steps to managing your inner mean girl. So these are going to be the first five steps to get you on your way of recognizing her. It recaps the things that we talked about today and gives you specific practices, five separate practices to do. And um, it, it will help and it will get you started. And it's a great refresher if you already know this information, um, but perhaps you're not implementing it. Uh, it'll be a great refresher. And, um, yeah, it it is just a great tool. It's like a recap of everything that I experienced and the, and the things that work best for me. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for that. And, um, thank you so much for your time and chatting with me today. It's greatly appreciated. This has been an absolute delight, Sandra. And it's like, I just, I, what keeps coming to me, and I think we talked about this before, but um, it is such a pleasure to meet a, a soul sister who speaks the same language, who has similar experiences, who is just such a light in this world. I am so grateful for having met you. And, um, and I just, I just love it. <laughs> so thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Karen. <laughs> it's, Mm-hmm. You know, silencing that mean girl, the peanut gallery, whatever you want to call it, that negative voice in your head is such a big thing, no matter where you are in your journey right now. Because whether you're feeling really great about yourself, yep. that little voice can still kick in every once in a while. And if you're at your lowest of lows, 
then that voice is talking way too much to you. So it's about really finding tools and techniques to silence that that negativity in your in your head and then because when you can do that then you're more aware of the people in your life that are negative as well Mm -hmm. and so you start to distance yourself you you get to you become more aware of how much negativity influences your life yeah because you know when um when you're not aware of it it's just happening negative things people are saying about themselves and others around you on a daily mm-hmm. basis and then you're watching the news and it's not happy and then you're on social media and people are nitpicking and so it's just about once you get that awareness then you can protect yourself from yep. that negativity and I think that we all need a negativity first aid kit you know like that emergency <laughs> kit that they tell you to have in case of you know whatever happening in your life. (laughs) Yeah. You need to have that for your mindset because Mm -hmm. it is so important. And so thank you so much for that reminder. Thank you for sharing tools and techniques for others to be able to silence that mean girl or that negative chatter in their minds. Because I think that, you know, no matter what it is that you really want for your life, that is part of the foundation, right? Is to be able to, yeah. to silence that negativity, to silence that chatter so that you can fully be in the driver's seat and really lead yourself on the journey that you want for yourself. So thank you so much, Karen. Absolutely. You are welcome. Thank you. And so that is it for today's podcast and I will see you next week. Bye.